book of Matthew, chapter number 7. Matthew, chapter number 7 tonight. Matthew chapter 7, we'll continue on with our theme of the parables of Christ tonight and and preach another parable to you. Matthew chapter 7, and uh, we'll begin looking in verse number 24 and read down through verse number 27. Matthew 7, chapter, chapter 7, verse 24, the Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Uh, Lord, help us tonight. We pray that uh, you would be with us and use us as we try to preach from your word. Give us clear, clear direction and clear thought, we pray in Jesus' name. And amen. The parable that I just read to you is probably a familiar one. The parable of the two foundations was the closing illustration that Jesus gave at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. On the mountain, Jesus has taught several very practical lessons, and He has also taught some very deep lessons. In fact, Jesus sets a standard in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in His Sermon on the Mount that we have to question who would even be able to live up to that standard. And as Jesus begins to bring his sermon to a close, he does so by giving three quick illustrations. Interestingly, all three of the parables found at the end of Matthew 7 are depicted in twos. They are parables of contrast. We are given the parable of the two paths. Jesus said there are two paths that a man can take. One is broad and one is narrow. One leads to life eternal and the other leads to destruction. He said, there are two trees. He said, a man is like a tree, brings forth good fruit, or a man brings forth evil fruit. Um, There are two two paths, two trees, and then there's two foundations. One man builds a house upon a rock, and the other man builds a house upon sand. Someone has pointed out, interestingly so, that these three parables depict for us the beginning, the middle, and the end of salvation. Salvation begins by choosing a path. We can either continue to walk the path of this world, a broad path, or we can choose to walk the narrow path that leads to eternal life. That begins our journey of salvation. But that's just the beginning. Uh, Then we see the parable of the two trees. And the parable of the two trees talk about spiritual growth after salvation. We are to bring forth good fruit. That's what we have been called to do. Bring forth good fruit, bring forth spiritual fruit. Jesus said in John 15 that He wants us to bring forth fruit and much fruit, abundant fruit. And then finally, the end of salvation is seen in the two foundations. Uh, That is the end. One man had true salvation. His, His foundation stood, his house stood. At the end when judgment came, 
and the other did not. He had built upon a false foundation, a false profession, and uh, his home was destroyed. Well, tonight I want to look at the last of those three parables and preach for a minute on the thought, the parable of two foundations. The parable of two foundations. Notice quickly, number one, the structure of these houses. The structure of these houses. Verse number 24 says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock. In this parable, Jesus tells us about two buildings, two storms, and two houses. But the real focus of the sermon or the parable seems to be on the foundations that these houses were built on. When the storm comes, and inevitably the storm does come, when the storm comes, one house stands and one house falls. And Jesus said the reason one house stands and one house falls is because the one is built on a foundation that is secure and the other is not. Now if the focus of the parable is the foundation, and I believe it is, we must understand what the foundation is Jesus is talking about. If the foundation is so important that when the storm comes or when the end comes, one stands and the other falls, it is imperative we know what the foundation is. So I would ask you tonight, what is the foundation in our parable? You would say, well, preacher, that's easy. One of them's a rock and one of them's a sand. And, and I know that that's what Jesus said, but... Again, this is a parable, so we know it means something. I think we can easily discover what the foundation is. Jesus said this in verse 24. He said, Therefore, whosoever, and mark these next words, heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man that built upon a rock. Verse number 26. And everyone, and here's the phrase again, that heareth the sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. Now Jesus, as I said, has just finished preaching one of the greatest sermons the world has ever heard. And at the closing of the sermon, he tells his listeners, the man or the woman that hears his words and do, does them is like a man building his house upon the rock. And a man that hears his words and does them not is like a man building his house upon the sand. You see, the foundation of the parables is the Word of God. That is the foundation that Jesus is talking about in this parable. The man or the woman that builds their lives upon the Word of God has built upon a strong foundation. The man or the woman that has built their lives upon the Word of God has built upon a sure foundation. The man or the woman that has built their house upon the rock has built upon a stable foundation. But the life that is not built upon the rock, but the life that is built upon the shifting sand of this world is soon to fall. Now this is interesting. I've never seen this before. As I was studying this week, I, I discovered something. Notice with me what the foundation is not. Notice what the foundation is not. Just prior to this parable, Jesus, speaking of the day of judgment, 
makes a statement in verse 21 and verse 22. Jesus said in verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, if we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Now on the day of judgment, there'll be many people that will have said the right things and done the right things, but still find themselves lost. And after saying that, those two verses, Jesus immediately goes into the parable Whoever hears the, the words of mine and does them is like a man on, on, that built upon a rock. Therefore, I think I could say it this way. The, the, our words are not the foundation. Our words are not the foundation. In verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. There will be men and women, therefore, that will have said the right things, that will have spoke the right things, but they did not build their house upon the Word of God. Religion to them was something they talked about, not something they built their life on. Religion was something they said, but it was not something they really did. They said the right things, but what we say is not the foundation. Words are not the foundation. Verse number 22, works are not the foundation. You see in verse 22, they cry out and say, Lord, Lord, we have preached in your name. We have cast out devils in your name. We have worked really, really hard in your name. But none of those were good enough to get them into heaven. Now make no mistake, all of those things are good. It's good to preach a sermon. It was good to cast out devils. It is good to do many wonderful works. But none of those things are right enough to get us into heaven. Those things are good, but not good enough. If we build our life upon words and works, then our, our, our life will surely crumble in the day of judgment. Salvation is not based on either one of those things. We don't have to look very far in the Scriptures to know that's true. Judas said all the right things. Judas did all the right things. On the night Jesus revealed to his disciples that one of them would betray him, they never believed it was Judas. They, in fact, started to question, is it I? And when Judas gets up to leave to betray Jesus, they still don't think it's him. They think he's going to buy something necessary for the Passover supper they're eating. Judas had everyone deceived, but Judas had built upon the wrong foundation. You see, the foundation that Christ tells us to build upon is the foundation of hearing and doing the Word of God. Obedience to God's Word is the only sure foundation. It's interesting, both men in our parable want to build a house. Both men in our parable do build a house. Uh, I'm sure that when the construction was complete on both of these homes, they both looked good. Anybody that passed by would have been impressed with either house. But one had something that was deeper than what human eyes could see. 
while they both looked the same on the outside, looked good on the outside, there was something that you couldn't see from the outside that one man had the other man did not. He had the right foundation. He had built upon a rock. Now, allow me to make a couple applications at this point, and I'll move on. First of all, allow me to say that this is very important when it comes to the matter of salvation. Only the man or the woman that hears and is obedient to the Word of God will stand the test when death comes. And make no mistake, friend, death will come. Here in the South, where, where we're at, here in the South, everybody has a form of religion. Uh, this was more so in just a few years past, but, but still, it's, it's fairly true today. Uh, everybody has a form of religion. Everybody in the South either grew up in church or grew up around church. You know, almost everybody has a family member that goes to church, a family member that is, that is, that is um, a servant of Jesus Christ. Almost everybody in the South celebrates things like Easter. Uh, everybody, everybody around here is going to get real religious over the next week. Hey, they will. They'll get real religious over the next week. Because here in the South, in the Bible Belt, everybody has religion. Because the climate we grow up in, everybody will tell you, everybody you meet, they'll tell you they're Christian. They maybe haven't been to church in years. They don't pray. They couldn't tell you the last time they read their Bible. They do worldly things. But yet they're, you know, they're still a Christian. In Jesus' day, the most religious people were the Pharisees. They were very religious. But Jesus makes a statement in chapter 5 during the Sermon on the Mount. He said this in verse number 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. You see, they were ultra-religious, but being ultra-religious was not enough. They needed something more than their religion and their upbringing could give them. Salvation does not come through word, nor does it come through works. It comes through responding to the word of God. I've had some struggles in my days. I've, I've not kept that a secret from you. I've had some struggles in my days when it comes to fear and doubts and questions regarding my salvation. And in those early years, I used to question things like, did I pray the right prayer? Did I do the right thing? I mean, silly stuff bothered me. I, silly stuff like I was sitting on, on the couch when I prayed the sinner's prayer and I wasn't kneeling. And I would hear people say, I knelt at an old-fashioned altar, bless God. And I would say, well, I didn't kneel. You say, well, that's so silly. Yeah, well, it wasn't to me at the time. But I finally reached a conclusion. You know the conclusion I reached? I come, to the, I come to this conclusion. I come to the conclusion that my works are not what saved me that night. It didn't matter if I was kneeling, if I was sitting, if I was standing, if I was doing a headstand. It doesn't matter. It, my posture didn't matter. My prayer didn't matter. I just prayed the best I knew how, and, and that was just good enough. You see, my posture didn't save me. My prayer didn't save me. My parents didn't save me. 
If you think another word that starts with a P, you shout it out and we'll throw it in there. That didn't save me. Let me tell you what, what saved me that night. What saved me is that I'd heard the Word of God. We had been in a little Baptist church in South Knoxville and God had been giving me His Word and I'd heard the Word of God and I responded to it that night. And that was good enough, friend. Good enough. Secondly, let me point out that not just our salvation must be built upon the Word of God, but our lives must be built upon obedience to the Word of God. I believe that our marriages struggle when they're not built upon the foundation of the Word of God. I believe that our relationships with our children and our parents struggle when it is not built upon obedience to the Word of God. I believe the way our, our way of conduct struggles when it is not built upon the foundation of the Word of God. You see, God's Word is not something we talk about, but it rather is something that we live every day of our life. Every decision we make, every interaction that we have should be handled in obedience to the Word of God. A couple weeks ago, I spoke at a marriage retreat in, in Pigeon Forge and for two nights, I, I dealt with uh, couples. One night, I dealt with a couple that was struggling. And another night, I dealt with a couple that was successful. And I told my wife before the, the, the marriage retreat, I said, everything I'm going to say this weekend is so elementary. It is so simple. I almost feel embarrassed to say it. It's so elementary. Because for two nights, I stood in front of a room full of couples. And I said, if you're going to have a successful marriage, you've got to serve God. That was it. That was the secret. Because every relationship must be built and founded upon the Word of God. And if we build our lives upon the Word of God, we have built upon a foundation that is sure. When the, when the storms of life are raging, what's built upon the rock will stand. So I see the structure of the house. Number two, I see the storm that came upon the house. The storm that came upon the house. Verse 25, the rain descended and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon rock. Verse 27, the rain descended and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. As the parable continues, a storm comes upon both houses. And when the storm comes, one house stands because it's built on the rock, and another house falls because it was built on sand. This undoubtedly is dealing again with the, 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 the subject of salvation. Jesus has been talking about that. It was Warren Wearsby that said, A false profession will last until judgment comes. You see, the storm in this passage is the picture of a test or trial that comes into the life of a, of a man or a woman. When the trial comes, a person with shallow faith or not, a person not having real faith will fall away. I've seen it. I've seen it many times. I've been in church for 20 plus years and I've seen it many times. Somebody will come into church, they will remain for a short period of time, then something will happen and they drift away. It may be a trial the church faces. It may be a trial the individual faces. It may be a trial they face as a family. 
But the storm comes, and because they didn't have grounded real faith, they crumble and they fall away. The storm in our passage could very well refer to the final judgment, death and judgment. Death and judgment will show who is real and who is not. I don't say that to make you afraid because the parable is actually very comforting. It is not, it is not a terrifying parable, but a comforting parable. The, 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 the parable is, is comforting because it teaches us that uh, the life and the faith of a true believer has nothing to fear when death comes because we are built upon a solid foundation, a solid rock. Faith is like building a house upon a rock. No matter how, how, how what, what comes, no matter how hard it gets, that house stands because it's built on something stronger than we are. But let me make this application. I think this is good for us tonight. There are going to be storms that come into every one of our lives. Every one of our lives. It has been said, and rightfully so, that you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or about to go into a storm. Encouraging words, I know. But unfortunately, life has its share of storms, doesn't it? There will be storms that come to your marriage. There will be storms that come to your family. There will be storms that come to your faith. And the only way to make sure that you will stand when the storm comes is to build your foundation upon the Word of God. Obedience does not mean the storm does not come. Obedience means when the storm comes, you can stand. I thought about Abraham. Abraham was asked by God to do something very radical. We know the story of God asking him to offer Isaac on top of Moriah. You talk about a storm. We're, we're talking about a, 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 a boy that he loved more than his own life. This was the promise of God to him. This was his heir, the one that was going to make him a great nation, the child of his old age. He loved that boy. And God said, you've got you to take him on the mountain and you've got to offer him as a sacrifice. And that could have shook Abraham's world. That could have shook Abraham's world. But Abraham was a man of faith. Abraham had built his life upon faith. It was faith that let Abraham say at the bottom of the mountain, me and the boy are going to go up yonder and worship and we will return. It was faith, Hebrews 11, that said in the heart of Abraham, if I offer him, God will resurrect him because he is the promise of God in my life. What could have shook him and destroyed him did not. He stands on top of the mountain and says, God is Jehovah Jireh, the God that will provide. Because he had faith. And when storms come, we need the foundation of the Word of God. I've been battling some things recently in my own life and in my own heart. Longer than I care to admit, I've been fighting some things for the, probably the past couple years. And it, it has been a storm. And there are days it's better and days that it's worse, but it has been a storm. And I'll be honest with you, friend, there have been, been days that I just I didn't want to see. But this, this has been the thing, the only thing that has gotten me through some of the things I've dealt with. 
when I have fears and doubts and questions, I'll sit at my little desk in the mornings and I'll open my journaling Bible up and I'll start to read. God will take just mundane, simple passages and just things jump out at me and God begins to reveal things to me and I start making notes in my Bible. Oh, it's so wonderful. You say, what is that? That is me trying to build my life upon the foundation of the Word of God. And I suggest you do the same. Because it may be okay in your world tonight, but there's a storm of brewing, friend. And I don't know what you'll face tomorrow, and I don't know what I'll face tomorrow, but I know that God's Word is sufficient to get us through whatever storm we face. I see the storm that came upon the house. And then lastly, and I'm done, I see the shock that came when Jesus told about these houses. Verse 28, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at His doctrine. For He taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. When Jesus finishes His sermon, the people are amazed. They are amazed at the words of Christ and they are amazed at the authority in which He speaks them. They said, the words that that man speaks are not normal. They are powerful. And tonight, I submit to you that God's Word is just as powerful as it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus spoke it. This Word of God is powerful Enough to change your life, secure your life, bring stability to your life. The only thing you've got to do is open it up and read it for yourself. And if you read it for yourself, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be astonished. And you'll say, never a man spoke like this man. Brother Scott, get us a song, I'm done. There's somebody here tonight.